0: Aren't you glad this morning that his love is better than life? I got to take a minute and catch my breath again. (laughs) Let's stand, if you would, please. We're going to continue to sing his praise this morning. Simple little chorus written that says, I could sing of your love forever. That's what we're going to be doing throughout eternity.
1: It's our little piece of heaven here this morning. Let's sing it. you mm-hmm. The oh. fall. Isn't God good? Go ahead and be seated.
0: Well, it really has been great to be here this morning, hasn't it? You know, I was thinking about what it's like to be in God's house. David talked about how wonderful just one day in God's courts, a place of worship was, and I really feel that this morning. I love worship for so many reasons gives me a chance to come and connect with God and let God know what he means to me. But beyond that, it has a way of refocusing me. Do you find that? You know, uh, there, there are just certain kinds of mechanisms and machinery where you can reset to default mechanism, you know? And I kind of feel that when I come to church. I just feel that resetting that God does, that refocusing in my life. Well, I just really am going to have to beg your indulgence this morning for a kind of special reason. Let me just talk to you a little bit before the sermon begins. You know, my topic is anger. But my, my topic today is the most difficult of the six that I have in the anger series. For Although I, I struggle with anger, like probably many of you do, it's been a lifelong struggle for me. Uh, the, the thing I'm going to talk about today is not, not my gig. <laughs> it's not my issue. And although I know it's there, and I, I find it and I see it in a lot of people's lives, it's not something that I understand real clearly. You know, there's certain things in life that seem to be very big to some people, but I don't, I don't understand what it is that causes somebody to to, to go after that. For instance, uh, there are some people that really get turned on by material things and having the biggest house and showy stuff, and I, I, that's never been something that's been a big thing with me, and although I can understand perhaps how somebody could get caught up in that, it's not something that I identify with. So the message I'm going to preach this morning is a challenge for me because it comes more from observation and study. But I know it's very important, so I'd just like to ask it to help me. And beyond that, this morning, it's not going to feel like a sermon, I don't think. It's going to be more like a workshop. However, I'm convinced that for all of us here today, whether you deal personally with the anger issue I'm going to talk about, or you have to deal with other people who are dealing with this anger issue, this is going to be uh, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, very well spent for all of us as we explore a side of anger. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment about the word angry as it's used as an adjective to describe expression or physical appearance. Think about an angry look and get that in your mind or an angry voice. Consider, if you will, please, what those expressions mean. Usually, if somebody has an angry face, we imagine a grimace, a red-faced person, maybe even trembling with rage. If we think of an angry voice, we think of somebody who's really turned up the volume and they're shouting and yelling. Well, that's, that's fair because often that's how anger manifests itself. But often, anger manifests itself behind a mask. And even though we might not see somebody all red-faced and screaming and shouting, they may be very cool and smiling and quiet there can often be an anger that's below that surface. And we're going to explore today the idea of silent rage and how that anger presents itself in faces that we might not normally associate with anger. And that, I believe, is so key for us because we deal with people like that all the time. So let's just jump in this morning and engage in some, some analysis of how it happens That a person can be calm and quiet on the outside, but filled with rage on the inside. Let us understand that, first of all, there is a deadly mixture going on in that person's, person's emotions. There are four components with anyone who is an angry person, but they keep it on the inside. And you have to understand that these all mix up into a toxic cocktail that produces an angry person who keeps it subjugated. Now, there are four things, four emotions, and you would, you would understand first off, the first emotion is anger. They are angry about something in life. And last week we saw that anger tends to be stimulated by at least one of three different sources, injustice, injury, or invasion. Injustice means it's not fair what you're doing to me, injury says you hurt me, invasion says you're in my space. Somewhere along the line, this person has become angry, and typically, what we're going to find out here today, and I'm probably giving myself away partially, but what we're going to discover is typically the person who is angry on the inside, who is hiding it, almost always the issue is injustice. Somewhere down along the line, they feel like they got the short end of the stick. Uh, they, They weren't treated fairly, and so an anger begins to build up. But there's a quick second emotion that mitigates that anger and keeps it from coming out like it does with many of us in an explosive episode, and that is weakness. For some reason, this person feels weak. He or she feels like that they cannot honestly communicate their emotions because if they did then they don't think they can handle what comes about as a result. This person is not confrontational. This person will walk around the corner to keep from confronting somebody because deep inside of them, and I mean, by the way, this is not a spiritual thing. We're not talking about just getting angry and controlling yourself. We're going to put that aside. That's not at all what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who is angry, but because they feel weak, they don't feel like they can express that anger. Now, the third part of this toxic cocktail is something that might be, we might say, is an automatic outgrowth of the first two emotions. If you take anger and weakness, somebody's angry, but they feel too weak to express it because of what might happen. Third thing is pretty obvious, and that's deception. If I'm angry, but I feel weakened in a situation, in an environment where I don't feel like I can express that anger in the free flow of ideas, then what I must now do is I must put on a mask. Because although I'm angry, I don't want you to know I'm angry. And so I've got to mask that anger. And the irony of this deception, if any of you have ever had to deal with somebody who is like this, you say, Pastor, I'm married to this guy, or I'm married to this woman, then one thing you know for sure, that's usually kept covered up by either smiles or tears. One of those two. Have you ever met somebody who smiled all the time, but when you listened to them talk, they weren't happy? Did you ever see that? I mean, it's kind of like when you're driving and you see rain and cloud, you know you see rain coming down in the sun at the same time. You know, it's just something. It's a little odd. If you've ever met somebody who smiles all the time, but when you really begin to listen to them talk and get to know them, they're not a happy person. What you've got is you've got somebody who is usually covering up anger with a smile, and that can often turn to tears. Tears. Sometimes you can talk to somebody and you just disagree with them, and the next thing you know, they're crying. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not a normal thing just to have a pleasant conversation and not see something the same way somebody else does. And, and, and when that person starts crying, you know that something is wrong. Oftentimes, a person who is angry, who feels weak, who covers up with deception, they will cover it up with a smile or they'll cover it up with the tears. And you're trying the best way you can to figure out this person's emotions, but nothing makes sense. There's a reason this deadly cocktail is going on. So you got anger, you got weakness, you got deception. And the fourth component that you'll always find is pride and self-centeredness. This is an angry person. A person feels weak. They can't feel that they feel that they can't express their emotions. They're deceiving everybody. But really when you get to know them, it's all about them. It's all about that person and how they feel. They're very self-absorbed people. Not that we all aren't at some level. But in any event, I just want you to have some analysis of why a person is an angry person, but, they, but they, dece- they cover that up. Anger, weakness, deception, and pride. Now, what's the problem with a person like this? If you've ever met anybody like this who was chronically angry, they sort of have an issue in their life that I don't really understand. I just know it's there. And that's this. There's no off switch for their anger. You know, for most of us, we get angry. And we may not handle it well. You know, we may, we may blow up, we may have an episode of anger, but then there's an off switch, and we kind of move on with life. That's how many of us are. But for this person, there is no off switch. It's like their anger keeps replaying in a loop, and it goes over and over and over. There's no off-ramp for their emotions, and it's not episodic. It's something that's always there below the surface. I have good friends who are like this. And it's just like that anger burns all the time. It's below the surface. This person may be very smiley, may be very emotional, but you just sort of know that. And you know that when you get into a conversation with this person that you have to be really careful not to step on cracks because down below the surface, this anger is always there. They don't have any off-ramp for it. They don't have any outlet for it. It just stays there. Now, that's what makes this particular kind of anger more deadly than any other kind because there is an outcome of a person. If there's an outcome of this situation, if you allow anger into your life, you deceive, you put on a mask, you don't show it, you don't let it out, it just see, sees and stays there, anger will not stay anger, it will transform into something worse. And by the way, anytime you keep anger, your situation will not get better, it will get worse. And what it becomes is something that we're going to call, for, for lack of a better term, we're going to call it bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness is a person who is just angry all the time and that toxicity just stays in there and we have to be very careful with it because bitterness has the power, as we'll see in just a few moments, to ruin your life. It's, that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Look at that verse one more time. Notice that the first three words are all about anger, but rage and anger we understand. Bitterness is this silent rage on the inside of a person, and the Bible is telling us that we must get rid of all bitterness. And so in the anonymity of such a moment when you're listening to a sermon, somebody might ask, well, Mark, how do I know if that's me? How do I know if I'm the kind of person? Well, first off, you're probably getting pretty mad at me right now. That's the first clue. Second clue is this. Do you, is there a manifestation for this kind of anger? Yeah, because although a person may put on a mask and they may, they may cover up their anger and they may feel like they're deceiving everybody else, there's a manifestation that's a clue, a real clue, and it's this. A person who carries anger on the inside all the time, never lets it out, is going to become a negative person. That person's going to be negative about everything. They're negative about the future. They're negative about their family. They're negative about the people they work with. It's the kind of person that every once in a while you just say, oh, my soul, please don't let me see them coming. You know, can I just avoid this person because they're just down about everything. What's happening is that anger is just running in a loop and it's becoming bitter. And because the person is bitter, everything in life looks bad. It's soft core anger. Instead of an explosion, there's a sort of slow leak that goes on in this person's life. And that leakage is always constant negativity. If you have to work with this kind of person, they can see every bad thing that's going to happen before it happens. And you say, well, I'm just a pessimist. Not likely. Not likely. What it is is on the inside there's anger that's produced this negative image in your head. I've known a lot of guys who had this. and This is how it usually manifests itself with a guy. Oftentimes a guy will have a a problem with, with his dad or the authority figure in his life when he's growing up. It doesn't always mean it'll come out like this, but sometimes a man will have a problem with his dad and then if this guy doesn't climb out of that problem, all throughout his life, he's going to assume that every authority figure in his life is going to somehow get take advantage of him or abuse him. Throughout this guy's life, he's always going to have a problem with authority. One thing, whenever you deal with someone like this who is a negative person, always angry on the inside, these people will never want to dialogue. They'll never want to talk with you. They'll always want to share their side of the story. And they want to find somebody who will listen to their side of the story. They want to tell it their way. They they don't want to bring their story into the free flow of ideas where other viewpoints may be brought into play because they feel like the presentation of another viewpoint is persecution because they've been taken advantage of so much in life and people have done so many bad things to them. They don't want to discuss things. They want a monologue in life what happens eventually with this kind of person whether we're talking about me or you or anyone eventually this person will poison every relationship in his or her life because if you allow poison to remain on the inside it will eventually seep out you know we had a a groundwater problem here not far from the church several years ago and it became a concern for people who live in this region because there was the fear that maybe some toxic chemicals had seeped into the ground water and if you're a person who allows bitterness in your life to just stay there, eventually it will seep out. And that bitterness will begin to, to poison the people who are in your lives. You can't, keep it, you can't keep it bottled up. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 23, smooth words may hide a wicked heart just as a pretty glaze covers a common clay pot. People with hate in their hearts may sound pleasant enough, but don't believe them. Though they pretend to be kind, their hearts are full of all kinds of evil. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, it will finally come to light for all to see. If you set a trap for others, you'll get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will roll back and crush you. So what I have to believe first off is that anger like this is a sin. And if I allow it to reside in my spirit, it'll begin to poison other people. And eventually that poison will become malice. And even though I may think I have it all well hidden, there's going to be some point in my life in which it's going to come out for everybody to see. It's impossible to hide this kind of venom on the inside. So that's what I want us to understand from the very beginning today. What's going on with a person who is angry on the inside, who is wearing the mask, and although they may be smiley or teary on the outside, they have anger on the inside. I want you to understand that there are those four components going on in that person. That there is anger... There is weakness, there's deception, and there's pride. And there is a, there's an ongoing anger in this person. It's not episodic. It's just residual. It stays there. There's no off-ramp. There's no on-switch. It is a loop that just keeps playing in this person's mind. That's the analysis of the situation. But I'd like for us to do something now in part two of our sermon. I'd like for us to take our Bibles and look at a Bible illustration of somebody who's like this. Um, You have to look in Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of the story before we pick up the text in Luke's gospel. We know the story as that of the prodigal son. Simply put, there was a wealthy farmer who was a very good man. In Jesus' story, he represents God. So he's a great guy. He's a great dad. We don't know anything about his wife. His wife may be dead at this point. But what we do know is that he has two sons. The older son would be the son who would get most of the stuff because the way things were set up by the laws of primogeniture, the first son, the eldest son got most and the second son got that which was left over. Now what's odd about this family is although the dad is a very good guy, he's got a couple of boys and both of them have issues and the younger son really has issues for everybody to see. The younger son is rebellious. He doesn't like the difficulty of farm life and beyond that he sees other kids perhaps who are wealthy and they're they're having a good time and they're partying and he's saying to himself I want to do that and so he goes to his father with the most bizarre and cruel request. Here is basically what he says. He says to his father I don't want to wait until you die to get my inheritance. You know it's, you know, it's kind of like old Prince Charles, you know? I mean, how old is he going to be before he gets to be king? I mean, this guy is saying to himself, I don't want to be an old man before I get to party. And he says to his dad, I want you to give me my inheritance now. And so his father does. And this wild, crazy kid takes the money, goes as far away as he can go from home, gets away from all kinds of discipline and restrictions in his life, and he wastes all the money believe the story here that his older brother tells he was sleeping with prostitutes he was throwing wild parties and there came a point at which his his wild drunken spree ends and he doesn't have any money and he gets hungry and nobody will give him a job and he gets so hungry that he's willing to even eat the food that the pigs are eating the only job he could get was that of feeding pigs and finally one day, the Bible says, and if you have the authorized version, it says he came to himself. I always think about that. For the first time, the prodigal son looked into the mirror and saw who he was and what he'd become. And he said, I'm going to go back home because the people who work for my dad have it pretty good. He knew, he, by this time, he knew his dad was a really good guy. Sometimes you have to grow up and get some years and figure out what life is about before you realize how wonderful your parents really are. And this guy said, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to ask my dad for a job. I'm not fit to be a son anymore. I've, I've squandered my inheritance. I've embarrassed my family. I've, I've hurt my dad. And I've lived wildly. I'm just going to go back and ask for a job because even my dad's hard hands eat well. And I'm not going to spend a lot more time with this part of the story because you know it very well. The prodigal son comes back. And remember, this represents God. and The prodigal son is that person who is an overt sinner prodigal son comes back home but the father sees him coming and gets really excited because he's been looking for this boy to come home and the bible tells us that instead of finding instead of finding rebuke he finds mercy and grace the father says bring the best robe and put it on his back and the family ring and put it on his finger and he noticed that the kid's feet are dirty and calloused and he said bring the shoes and put shoes on his feet and the dad got so excited, he said, let's throw a party. And they did. They kept, one, they kept one calf fatted in order to throw this wild, this exciting party. Now, the kid that we've been talking about has an older brother, remember? The older brother has stayed home on the farm all along, and he's showed up for work every morning. And when he hears the the party going on at home, he reacts in a very unpleasant way. Not excited that his brother has come home. I want you to read it with me, and this is where we're going to take a look at what this kind of toxic anger can do in a person's life. In verse 25 of Luke 15, the Bible says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the calf we were fattening and has prepared a great feast. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry. Do you see that? The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. That's interesting. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All those years I've worked for you, worked hard for you, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you and I are very close. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. All right, let's go to work. Because we now have a prime example of what we're talking about. Boy, we have a prototype here. The son. He's an angry guy. He's been at work all this time while his brother's been down, wild, living. And somebody could say, well, wait a minute, Mark. He has a right to be angry. Why do you say he has a right to be angry? It's because you perceive the same injustice that this kid felt. Remember, injustice is usually what motivates this person. This feeling, and I'm not being treated fairly. People, People don't treat me right. I never get what's coming to me. Now, in the final analysis, let's be honest. It was not the older brother's calf anyway. It was the father's calf. It was the father's farm. It was the father's robe. It was the father's ring. The shoes that were put on his feet were not taken away from the older brother. They belonged to the father. Could we not agree tonight, or this morning rather, that the father had the right to do whatever he wanted to do with his own stuff? And frankly, it was none of the older brother's business. But there is a problem with this kind of anger. This kind of person feels the weight of the whole world as if they must, in their own spirits, arbitrate all things and so he gets angry let's do a little analysis again who is the older brother angry at you at first blush might say he's angry at his kid brother this punk kid no 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 no, no. do you listen to the language who's he angry at who is he accusative of Read it one more time with me. The elder son, the Bible says, was angry, verse 28, and he replied, verse 29, all these years I've worked for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do, and in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. I doubt he had that many friends anyway. Don't you? But all this time he's pointing the finger at his dad. He's saying, you're not being good to me. But now five will get you 10 if i were a betting person i'm not five will get you 10 that this guy's in anger over injustice didn't start that day my guess is every day he went to the field he had this anger in his life it just flared up my guess is he had this toxic spirit all alone in his life because his issue is not so much with his older brother but his issue is with his father second thing i want to point out is the self-pity it's in this person. Look in Luke 15, verse 28. The Bible says, but the, and this time I'm reading from the Amplified version, but the elder brother was angry with deep-seated wrath, that's what we're talking about, and resolved not to go in. Then his father came out and began to plead with him. Do you see that? I, mean, I love that in the Amplified. He, he was upset, and he went outside, and the Bible says he resolved not to go in. Do you get the self-righteousness and self-pity in this dude? I mean, he went out and said, I'm not going to go in. not talking to anybody necessarily. I'm not going in. I'm going to resolve to stay out here. I'm I'm not going to go in there. I'm I'm not going to celebrate with them. In fact, here's what's interesting, and some of you ladies may be married to someone like this. You can identify with this. This guy didn't blow up. He used distance in a pathetic attempt to punish the others. You ever know somebody in your life who gets angry and they just don't speak to you for a while? You know, they don't acknowledge your presence. They give you the cold shoulder. You're dealing with a weak person who is angry and deceptive. And that's the way this, prodig- this prodigal's brother was. He was angry. The, the, the Amplified said he had deep-seated wrath. He resolved. He was not going to go in. He was going to punish all the others with distance. He was going to punish the others by the lack of his presence if you see me smiling it's because my guess is that nobody in the party knew he was missing and for those of you who try to punish other people with distance my guess is those people in the party don't even know that you're not there and that brings me to the last thing these people always miss the party they always miss the party. They're always unhappy, always negative, always trying to find a way to get even for the injustices in their life, continually looping anger, always unhappy, and no matter how many good things they have in their lives, they always miss the party. I begin to think about some people that I love very much and know who are like this. You know the irony of it all is, is that oftentimes these are the most blessed people in the world. You would think if injustice is a catalyst that lights these people's fire, you would think that they have a lot of bad things that happen in their lives. I find that people oftentimes who have the worst possible things that happen are people who are filled with joy. And on the other hand, I know people who have a wonderful spouse, who have Fine kids who have good jobs, who live in fine homes, who are angry every day of their lives, and they always miss the party. And I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to happen to me. So for a few moments let's look at how to get past this. And by the way, I'm going to talk about this again because we're going to talk about dealing with angry people in the next few weeks and then we're going in the last sermon we're going to talk about you know we're, talk, we're going to talk about the chill factor, how to get past anger and we'll talk about it a little bit again. But for just a few moments this morning I want to give you some help to know how to deal with this in your life and how to deal with it in somebody else's life if you deal with a person who has silent rage. We get a great clue here from the Father. Because the dad Cares about this kid. And if you're one of those people who have silent rage and you always miss the party, I want you to know something today. God cares about you. God's not writing you off. And although everybody else in the party didn't miss this kid, there was somebody who did miss him, and that was the father who is a type of God. And the Bible says the dad went out and he talked to him. Okay, here are several things, that I, three things that I want to give you, and this will help you either deal with it personally or deal with somebody else. Number one, notice the father didn't respond in anger. The kid was angry, but the dad wasn't. And when the dad went out, he was very gracious to this boy. If it's very wise, if you deal with somebody in your life, maybe you're married to this person, maybe this person is your kid, maybe this person is your parents, maybe this person is somebody you work with, if they carry rage on the inside and, and everything I've talked about today just clicks with you and you say, yeah, I know this person, I have to deal with this person, here is rule number one, do not respond in anger to this person. It will be tempting. For One thing, if you have a type A personality like me, the first thing you want to do is say, "Uh, please don't rain on my party. I'm having a great party today. Would you just please not bother me and go somewhere and sulk? Please use distance to punish me. He goes out in kindness. Now, here's, there are two reasons why you never respond to this kind of person in anger. Number one is it will never help because they got this loop playing, and they feel injustice already, and if you come out and respond to them in anger, they're just going to check off one more injustice in their life. So first off, don't respond in anger to this person because it won't help. And then, as I just kind of intimated, the older son would have felt even more justified in his feeling toward the father if the father had come out and vented on the son. So I just find it really interesting here and important to notice that the father did not respond in anger. And then the second thing I notice is that gently he tried to reorient his thinking. Because the father knew that the problem of the older brother was in his thinking. He had this loop that was going on in his head that played injustice, injustice, injustice. And what the father tried to do was to get inside that loop and stop it and say, wait a minute. And very gently and kindly, he tried to reorient this guy's thinking. And the father said to the son, remember, you and I are very close. And then he indicated, and this this is what this means here uh, in the text. The younger kid had already squandered his inheritance, so therefore everything that the father had belonged to the older son. And he said, everything of God is yours. If you deal with somebody who is continuously angry, one of the best things you can do, and you've got to be gentle about this because you can't go into them and say, what are you thinking and what kind of ignorance is that? You're so stupid. you got to look. Don't do that. Go in there and say, wait a minute. Just think with me for a moment about all the good things that you have going on. But on the third thing, and here's something else. If you deal with a negative person, what you can never do if you want to help this person is you can never validate their negativity. The father didn't go out and say, yeah, your brother, boy, he was a jerk. <clears throat> Man, squandered all that money. Oh, that's not right. I mean, he didn't go out there and, and validate. You, it's, it, listen, it's, it's, if you deal with somebody who is continuously angry, it's a very bad mistake to get in their face and get angry at them. It is an equal mistake to validate their negativity because that's what they're looking for. I love the balance of the father. He was loving. On the one hand, he communicated all the good things that were going on in the older brother's life, but at the same time, he turned around and said, you know what? It was best for us to celebrate because your younger brother, he was in trouble, and now he's rescued. He was was dead, but now he's alive again. He's lost, but now he's found. And it's appropriate that we celebrate. I love the balance there. He is kind and loving and gracious, but he's not going to give in to this guy's negativity. I don't think I could close the sermon without, without saying this. Because somebody could say, well, Mark, this has been kind of a sensitive morning for me because you've kind of talked about me. And I may not have a lot of this, but I got a little of it at least in my life. How do I deal with it? How do I get out of that loop? Could I give you just two simple thoughts that will help you today? The thing that will help you the most is to take off the mask. And for the first time in your life, admit that you're angry. Admit that it's anger. And don't start harping on all the injustices that people have done to you. Everybody deals with injustice. Admit it. I'm angry. I got a problem with anger. I have a problem. It's just like an alcoholic who must first admit he's an alcoholic. I have a problem with anger. I cover it up. I mask it. But I'm not covering it up as well as I think I am because after today, everybody's going to know that it's anger. I may as well just come out of the closet and say, I am an angry person. Admit it. Because see, here's the thing. If you don't admit it, the problem is always going to be somewhere else. Let me tell you the corniest story I think I've ever heard in my life. Guy went to the doctor and he told the doctor, he said, I know I'm dying. He said, every place I touch, it hurts. He said, if I touch my head, it hurts. If I touch my chest, it hurts. If I touch my leg, it hurts. He said, doctor, I'm dying. I know I'm dying. Doctor examined him and said, I've got good news and bad news for you. He said, the good news, number one is, you're not dying. He said, the bad news is, you've got a broken finger. <laughs> you see, some of you today, the whole world's broken. No, you've got a broken finger. It's anger you got to deal with that. I mean, just deal with it. First off, you're not fooling anybody anyway. Everybody knows you got an issue. Just deal with it. Admit it. I have an anger problem. I think life is not just. And I'm letting this play and play and play and replay and replay and replay. And she said, this person did this in the third grade. And and, and when I got married, I was expecting this and I got that. And stop the motion of that loop and say, it's not the world. I've got a broken finger. Understand this morning that you're not weak. You don't have to be weak because the Bible tells us this, with God's strength, even weakness is made perfect. You don't have to be, you can trust God to handle all the stuff in your life. Don't go through life feeling inadequate. Don't go through life feeling inferior because once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you become a child of God and you're not weak anymore and you shouldn't have to live in fear of weakness and in deception. You can be who you are. You say, Mark, somebody's going to take advantage of me. You can count on it. But you know what? God will take care of it. God will take care of it. So number one, if you have this problem in your life and you're saying, how can I get help? Number one is admit it. Just come right out and say, I got an anger problem. Number two, join the party. Just join the party. God is doing great things in this world. Do you know that? Our God is an awesome God. God, you say, Well, there's so many bad things in the world. Yeah, but there's so many good things in the world. God is doing so many great things. You can choose whether you're going to focus on the bad stuff people are doing to you or the good stuff that God is doing. And I just choose to be at the party, don't you? Don't you just want to be at the party? Join the party. Quit bellyaching, quit whining, complaining about how bad life is. Start praising God, start thanking God for his goodness in your life, and start looking for what God is planning for you. The Bible tells us this, that God has great plans for you. He has plans to give you a future. Join the party. Now We'll talk about this more, but my prayers say that God will use some of the things that we've talked about today to help you as you deal with your own anger and deal with the anger of others. May God bless you. Let's stand for a few moments.